Welcome to the Love is Coming podcast, the must-listen show for single women struggling to attain or sustain a romantic relationship. I'm your host, Persia Lawson, author, speaker, and according to the Times Magazine, one of the UK's most successful love coaches. Before that, I was a serial cheat and obsessive love addict, but I'm now a bride-to-be and in the best relationship of my life. So, If you're trying to do the work on your love life, you are definitely in the right place. But here on the Love Is Coming podcast, we serve your education with a side of entertainment. Expect serious stuff talked about not so seriously, solo Agnian episodes with yours truly, and guest episodes showcasing some of the best in the biz in ways you've never seen them before. So, got a dating dilemma? Swiping right but haven't yet found Mr. Right? then let's get raw, real, and a little bit inappropriate because love is coming for you, baby, in more ways than one. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Love Is Coming podcast. We are very, very lucky today to have the wonderful, the gorgeous Hither man on the podcast. Hither is an elite business mindset and peak performance coach to Credit Swiss Bank, as well as the first FX trader and educator, Hither, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Very excited to speak to you. It's such a pleasure. Before we go any any further, I need to, I am really a newbie when it comes to like trading and anything like that. What is an FX trader and educator? What does that mean? Okay, so Forex is uh, literally, when you've ever traveled back before COVID to different countries, we've used different currencies. So it's simply the difference between, let's say, the pound versus the dollar or the pound versus the euro. The difference is what you can actually make money from. And being a financial trader, that's how banks actually make money. So I have effectively learned that from a hedge fund trader in London back in 2009 and forever have just been like obsessed with it since. I became a educator in 2013 because there weren't enough women. Well, there were zero women when I came into this industry and I was constantly complaining about why do women get treated so rubbish in this industry? And then some promoter told me, well, stop complaining. Just be that person that you want to see on stage. So I thought, okay, very good point. And I just learned to become a speaker. And I really did it purely to help women not be intimidated by this world or even they've never considered it because it hasn't been much female representation. So that was my role. Yeah, we didn't. I mean, it's so true. That's why I was so drawn to you. I actually came across you, this new app, which is taking over the world, Clubhouse. I don't even remember what room it was. It was a good few weeks ago. And I just kept hearing this amazing, because it's all based on audio. It's all voice. And so I'm, I used to be an actress and um, I'm always really like drawn to, to the tone of people's voice and obviously what they're sharing as well. But you were speaking about rom- relationships and I was so drawn to you. And like, as we were on that session, I literally jumped into your DMs on Instagram and I was like, I've got to interview this chick for the, uh, for the podcast because you're just so, you're so wise and knowledgeable. And, you know, I work with a lot of women who are identify as as high achieving. They're very, very successful. Um, But they struggle. They tend to struggle for some reason in their romantic life. And and I think that there's, you know, I'm seeing that there's such an interesting 
um, relationship between that, women who are super successful at work and struggle romantically. And that's what I want to really dive into today. But before we do, so I've actually named this podcast episode, How to Raise Your Net Worth in Romance, because I wanted to bring in your experience, obviously, in the financial world with your wisdom about relationships. I thought that was quite good. I came up with this morning. What do you think of that title? (laughs) I'm actually very impressed. And you're so right. It is such an incredible topic. And the reason why you've been very kind and said, I'm so wise at this topic is because I had the most challenges and obstructions in my life purely in my personal life, because I was striving to be this successful person. I hit uh, a level of success quite young in, in my in my life. And my personal life was horrible, like relationships were a major issue. So I love that you're helping women and men to understand the concept of, you know, successful women don't have it as easy as if I was just doing something very simple in my life, uh, which again, nothing wrong in that. But I think let's face it, women are changing. They're becoming very career focused and they're happy to make a lot of money. They're getting comfortable with making more money maybe than their life partners. Um, but it does affect that relationship. And even getting into a decent relationship is is a challenge in itself. And I certainly had at least maybe, uh, let's say, let's say 15 years of like failed try relationships um you know my first relationship I had when I was about 19 so I started quite late I'll be honest but it was that I you know everyone from 19 up till 33 let's I remember the exact age when I started a decent relationship 33 Mm -hmm. and up to that point so how many years is that 14 years I had failed miserably and I tried to be better every time. But the point that for 14 years, I couldn't figure it out is a big statement. And I think anyone who's trying to be successful, I think if they could learn, if I could go back to being 19 and heard a voice of mine helping out, then I think my life would have been easier in many ways. So so do you know what? You've actually answered the first question that I was going to ask you. I do something at the beginning of these epi- episodes called, in fact, do you know what? I was going to say, oh, we don't need to do it, but I think we should do it anyway, just because yeah. I always find yeah. it really interesting. So yeah. I call it a 60 second summary of essentially your own experience with, uh, with I guess, romance, romance affecting your work life and vice versa. So even though you've given us a taste of that, I'm interested to see what happens when we have the time pressure. So I'm going to give you a warning at 30 seconds. Okay. You're typed. Am I clear? Have I been clear on what the brief is? Let me recap. So you want me to talk about how my, before I got into my romance in 60 seconds, the whole. Yeah, essentially the whole journey. Just go with it. Just go with it. See what happens. Ready? Yes. Three, two, one, go. So I started off in the traditional mind thinking that, you know, I need to have a guy that keeps me happy and they are in charge failed miserably I was very depressed trying to like keep up to that role then tried to be the the independent me and had men tell me I was this greedy uh selfish self-obsessed individual I've then attracted gold diggers I've had abusive relationships um not in that chronological order but and then eventually got to a point where I didn't believe in marriage I didn't believe that relationships even had any meaning at all to the point where until I got to a point where I didn't care about being a, a mother, I stopped caring about uh, traditional relationships. I had to understand where marriage started from. Uh, where on earth do these marriage vows and where did the whole philosophy of marriage even come in? Having understood that and realized that my mind was stuck in the 30s, trying to be happy in the 2020s and whatever age, um, 19, you know, 2000s, only then when I had almost given up and naturally, and I tried online dating. Time um, went out. I forgot to give you a, a warning. No, I was so engrossed in what you were saying. I was like, <laughs> you got to, okay, just just finish that sentence that okay, you were saying. Sorry, that, was, that was 
Only after trying everything and thought literally there's no point in trying, did I meet someone naturally on a New Year's party? And oh my God, you never look back. The lovely George. <laughs> yeah, lovely George. I've been stalking him as well. <laughs> I've been stalking yeah. you both. He's so much. He's such a kind he, guy. He's lovely. So, okay, when did you meet him? Um, New Year's Eve on, so 2016 New Year's Eve. So I guess 2015 stroke 16 uh, New Year's party. Okay, so four, I'm so bad. Uh, clearly, this is why I'm not a trader. I can't do maths. I can't even work out how many years. Four years? Four yeah, years. You're... So we're 2021, right? So five years. Five years now, yeah. You met him just after I met my fiance because I met Joe in August 2015. So you would have yeah. met him a few months yeah. later. Wow. Yeah. And where, where, where was this New Year's Eve party? Oh, my God. They're not the most glamorous place. I was supposed to be in Hawaii, the glamorous place of the world. But I just came back from Bali on the 18th of December. And I'm not good with long-term travel. I was super sick with, like, chesty cough and all sorts of weird stuff. And so I thought, I'm never going to get on a plane for a little while. So I went to – I lived in Worcestershire at the time. And That's where my fiancé is from. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whereabouts in Worcestershire? A place called Hanbury, which is like a village. Um, okay, so he's near Kidderminster in Wolver- a village called Wolverley. Yeah, yeah I, I know Kidderminster, yeah. So oh, probably like 20 minutes from where I, I am at that time. I don't have the house anymore. But at the time, I was living in a, a little village called Hanbury. My friends were people that were, you know, I said, what's happening? I messaged them. I said, what's the latest going on in New Year's Eve? What's something to do local? And they directed me to some someone owns a club, some footballer owned a club in Birmingham, and it was a VIP thing at the back and I was like okay we'll go to that VIP sanding thing um, anyway it was a good night it was me and my best friend just two of us went out and I knew George through mutual friends so I had seen pictures of him before because he was in the industry that I was already connected to um, through business and friends and I so so we kind of just said I was like hey I know you you're so-and-so's friend and we just were just having like a uh, tipsy little rendezvous at the bar and it was just a, it was like probably 14 of us all together and we just carried on the party came to my house they had the after party at my house and I think everyone was awake until nine o'clock in the morning until I threw everyone out so that's how and I, I I actually thought I'd never speak to George ever again and I thought this he seems like a nice guy but no they, they don't exist so I actually discounted him completely and it's only until and this is the interesting thing he messaged me back regarding you're gonna think how weird am I because I dropped a lot of his friends off me and my friend we had cards and um we dropped them off and in my car I I was playing uh some some self-development something (laughs) so I thought screw you guys I'm gonna listen to what I normally listen to some sort of self-development podcast or something you know something really good it wasn't music put it that way and they were so interested in my thinking. And he messaged me and said, I'd love to learn more about property from you, if that's okay. So it started off in a very like... Oh, you know, yeah, property. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was, I think his approach... Do you think, he, do you think he was trying to come on to you or do you think he actually wanted to learn about yeah, Genuinely, I think he knew I wasn't interested because I did not show I was interested. Like I made it very clear that, no, I'm not interested because I was very scared of letting people in. I thought he looked nice and I was very in control. So he genuinely thought I was a nice person, uh, like I thought he was, but he also probably thought she probably doesn't want to speak to me ever again because she probably doesn't think I'm part of her little circle. And uh, had he not mentioned he wanted to get into some sort of investment talk, 
I probably wouldn't have messaged him again. Mm-hmm. Um, but he made it very, uh, and so we hung out and I actually had a little deal with him because he was a fitness fanatic. I said, hey, if you're going to take up my time, because he kept going back and forth on WhatsApp about properties and I was thinking, my God, this guy's taking up my time, which I'll do because I think he's nice, but I don't really have the time. So I made a deal. I said, hey, how about you, you know, teach people about nutrition because I didn't really understand healthy nutrition at the time. And I was like any typical business owner who has no idea and I was eating scrambled eggs for every meal um, and literally just I'm not a cook or a chef or anything so I'm useless so I would literally just go by with whatever I can grab and I thought he obviously is obsessed with this industry and he he was on he was he had an online business all about fitness programs so I said why don't you teach me this you can work out with me and be like my partner in the in the gym and uh, we can talk about property at the same time you know how about that that way we're killing win. Yeah, win-win. So we ended, I mean, he was so flexible, so nice. And the more I spent time with him, I think it took me three months to uh, understand that this guy's actually so nice. And the fun, the, the most endearing thing about George, his humor was insanely funny. Like I I connected with him on that level because um, there were so many other things that I would have thought, no, not my type, not this. And he's such a nice person, don't get me wrong. But his humor was that one thing that was like oh I could live with this this was hilarious I just felt so at home with that and it was that one thing that really made me take him seriously and yeah very good looking guy don't get me wrong and I thought yes but I've I've met good looking people before and good looks faded very quick until they had some sort of mental stimulation or something so he gave me a lot of mental stimulation as well and then on top of that it was super funny so it was great company and, um, and it sounds like, did you take your time with it then? It sounds like, you know, you actually, you know, you brought your brain along and you took it slowly and you actually had a really healthy start because you're doing, you're in the gym. It's not out in the bar, just getting drunk all the time. It's actually like, yeah. Actually, so you, maybe one on. big factor in my beginning, at every beginning of a relationship for a little while, especially because he was younger than me. Um, I was at this time 33 and I tried dating people my age and I actively tried through online dating and they were abysmal. So men my age were, I haven't met every single person, so don't get me wrong, I'm not judging every human my age, Um, but they they were intimidated by my success. They made me feel very uncomfortable with it. And when I did date someone older, they wanted to make me stop. Uh, You know, they kind of felt very threatened. So, however, when I dated a younger person, I had the benefit of them not caring about me anymore because they were like, oh, you've obviously got more experience and they were cool with it. So that was really healthy. But then I had had two occasions where I felt they were gold diggers and I thought, oh, this is uncomfortable. They're just comfortable for me paying for everything, which I never wanted. Mm. So I don't want to be someone's mom or something really unattractive. It was very unattractive when someone needs you for financially. And then the benefit with George. So this is where my initial hesitation was. He's young. He's probably going to be like the rest and see an opportunity. And he's seen my house because we had the after party at my house, which was a bad move. But he saw my house, which was on in the middle of 18 acres um, in the country. And then then he also saw my cars, which were quite flash. And I thought, that's not a good first impression I wanted mm-hmm. to do. So I really protect my first impression mm-hmm. I could. So it wasn't an ideal first impression. I was worried he was going to be a gold digger, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Then I learned he had inherited a lot of money because his father passed when he was quite young and his father was quite wealthy. So that actually made me feel, 
no wonder he's asking about property because he's got a load of cash he has no idea what to do with that made me feel more comfortable because he was not at all bothered about how much money I had or mm-hmm. ever made me feel like I had to pay um mm-hmm. we did go out for you know I watched the small things such as when we go for even the gym lunch you know who he offers to pay and obviously I don't need him to and I would kindly accept at times and I was like oh this is quite nice he makes me feel like a lady um it was small things like that small nuances that made me feel like he's actually quite a gent so age Mm -hmm. as soon as I could forget how old he was that made me feel wow this guy's actually genuinely interesting and then I told him the outright I mean we had initial conversations when he made it clear he was interested and I made it clear that I have a problem with the age gap because I've dated, I had two serious-ish relationships before him. Oh no, one, no two. Uh, they, both of them were six months only. and But they were serious. We were living together and, you know, it got to a point where I felt it was serious and they did too. But we broke up based on age because I felt like this is not working for me. You're too young. Your maturity is not there. And it was the same age gap, similar like 10 years or whatever. And it wasn't for me. And I find it really unattractive and I didn't want to re- repeat that cycle. But it was very interesting. And I think the difference this time was that he was so secure. The other two were not. They were very intimidated and felt demasculated in some way. Uh, plus, they didn't have enough money and they kind of needed me. So whereas George had a lot of money um, and it is a factor. So if anyone's wealthy and they're thinking, well, how do I approach? And unfortunately, money is an issue in a relationship. And for but me- it, do you know what? It, you know, us Brits tend to be so uncomfortable talking about money. I love talking about money. I used to be terrified of it because I, as I said earlier, I was an actress and I came, I came from a very sort of, my dad had kind of kind of come from nothing and then made his um fortune in property funny enough um and but you know he'd lost it got it all of that all the journey that you know a lot of people in property go on um but i i just was i was just so used to not really having money and i had to do so much work around that but then i kept attracting guys who had even less than I did. They were like, I was always drawn to the really creative types and I'd be paying for everything, but I didn't even have much myself. And and this is something I see so often. The money is a factor in life. Let's not pretend it's not. And it certainly is a factor in relationships. So what's been your, you know, one of the things I I see often is um, women who are, the women I coach who are really successful is they do tend to have this pattern of attracting Yes. sometimes younger guys and sometimes guys who don't have as much money and then they they become that like mother role exactly like yeah. you were saying yes. what do you think that's about okay so this is um so for when I've done it so I'll go back to my example so when I got attracted to these two well the, you know what it was easier the thing is when you're a successful female it, you've got especially if you've got lots of money and lots of success and you're single okay so let's go back into the mind of a single female making lots of money and she's dating so she meets people her age and they typically feel intimidated. So my issue with why I dated a younger guy and accepted a younger guy was purely the fact that my age group couldn't handle me. And whereas the young guys, maybe call it naivety, they didn't understand what they were dealing with here. They were just yeah. like, this looks fun. And they were attracted. You know, men are attracted to a, um, a successful female. Every, yes. You know, the, com- the comfortable ones. And... Okay, so for a young guy, it's easier for me when I was older than them because I felt like I could control the scenario. So I'll be honest, I feel like this is an easy relationship. I'm in control. Like they can't make me feel less for having money. They love it. They, this is what makes them feel great. 
Plus, um, yeah, initially you might overlook how much money is a factor and you don't assess how much money they have. You think it's all going to be okay. But slowly what chips away is I was dining in like all the restaurants in London and these guys couldn't really take me out. Like the last one literally said, I can't afford to be with you. And because I didn't want to pay for everything, it became really attractive. I mean, how can you go out on a date and you're paying for that date? Mm -hmm. And when do you feel like a, a little girl, not a little girl, but like a lady, a princess, like every female, no matter what age wants to feel like a princess or someplace, not, I mean, like, I, I have no problem in saying, hey, George, I'm going to treat you for this, my treat. But that's because I want to treat him. But he will forever make me feel like a princess. He'll do surprise gifts. He'll, but, you know, and that's because he's got money. And the, the, the lower age group is a benefit because they are sometimes coming in with a fresher mind. They are not intimidated. They're accepting of the fact that you're quite dynamic and successful. They're, you know, I, I just feel like that's, that's why women who are successful attract younger less financially successful men because it's easier it's easier and it does give you it does to a degree give you that sense of power yeah yeah it really what would you say to uh this is something I hear often from successful women men are intimidated by my success and that's why I don't have the relationship I desire what would you say to that I understand it and it definitely is true to some extent but um it takes a very secure man to not be intimidated. So I, I guess the majority of men will feel if they, it depends how they've been brought up. So look at their mom and dad roles, you know, and see who's, if their mother had was the breadwinner, then it's unlikely that they, no matter what age they are, will be intimidated by a female success. If their father was a breadwinner and yet their mother was, so all the men that were my age or more that I went on a date with, and I'm talking about a couple of dates, two or three, never had a relationship as such, but they were intimidated from date one or two because their mum was the kept woman or like housewife. I figured it out. So you have to figure out their parenting and what makes them feel because people mirror whatever they've seen through their parents. So a relationship is often mirrored through our our experience of what we saw growing up. So hence, I find it, and the reason I find it so difficult to be a successful female is because I grew up in a household where my dad was the high earner or the only breadwinner for a little while, and my mom was not. And then when halfway through the life, the whole thing reversed. So my mom became the breadwinner, and then, but then I also saw the dynamics change, and everything went to like it, it just fell apart. Like the whole thing went wrong, and I understand why I felt uncomfortable because I didn't want to be in my mom's situation where her relationship was falling apart she was unhappy because she was trying to be a subservient wife and yet she was a breadwinner and trying to keep mm. this high ego fueled male happy somehow mm. you know so I mirrored literally that so it comes from a very simple place look at how you were grown up how you grew up if your parents were very and that's why I feel now going future in our in our generations coming up now I feel this will be less of a problem because women are having kids and they're and they're openly maybe the breadwinner and their partner is very open and okay with it I feel we're going to have less of this problem it's the traditional old-fashioned roles that are going to be the conflict areas so if you ever as a female if they come across a male that's intimidated it's because of the way they were parented but it it comes down to that literally yeah a hundred percent so you were talking um earlier when you were sharing your story about how you and George met and you know at the beginning because of your previous experiences kind of having the walls up to a degree and and I guess over time 
he, he, you became more vulnerable. And this is something that I see all the time. It's really interesting is one of the big blocks that the women I coach who are really successful have in relationships is they're used to being in work in their masculine energy. That's how they get shit done. That's, you know, that is the thing that creates results. Now, when you're in a, a um, a romance, especially if you're with a guy, then that is, if you're coming at um, the dynamic from your masculine energy, then it doesn't tend to work and it can make a man feel emasculinated, whatever that word is. And and so that's where I see, so it actually, and people, you know, a lot of us are really terrified to be vulnerable because we think we we equate vulnerability to weakness, yeah. but actually it's the other way around. Yeah. Vulnerability is about just telling the truth. There's nothing more powerful or, in my belief, more magnetic than that. Yeah. So what would you say to women who are, you know, they really find it hard to let go. They're so successful in work, but they can't bring that vulnerability to their romantic life. Such a good question. You're so clever. Uh, you're so like clever at observing these things. And honestly, it is the scariest thing. And I was exactly that person for so many years. So I, I maintained the masculine energy. And that's why I picked the easier relationships. And therefore, I got rid of them quicker. And I didn't care. And I was just like heartbreak. Uh, someone actually called me this. Someone said you're the queen, some heartbreak queen, or I don't know what it was. Like, it was just like, I was literally like, literally getting you getting rid of people. And within three days, I was like, okay with it. You know, like I was just used to like next or like, yeah, we're done with. I was so good at breaking up with people and it's ruthless. So what happened there was I was just holding onto that masculine and it was the most terrifying thing to admit where that was coming from and why I was being so defensive and, and staying in one energy all the time and not trying to get my guard down and it came from the reason why I'm striving so for me I was I hated my childhood I hated my you know so it came from a simple fact of I hated everything I saw growing up I didn't want to be my parents I don't want to have any of that so I tried to get as far away as possible from it and I was constantly fighting my way through life and with relationships if anyone reminded me of my dad or anything like that I'd be like no go or You're out yeah out so I was very reactive it was almost like a PTSD kicking in and it's it's scary so with George there was an element of that so when I met him it wasn't like I was perfect and I was like this open person to like let a relationship I was quite the opposite I was still holding on to the masculine energy but aware so what the difference was now I was aware of how I function so I was aware of my fears and 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 why I'm acting so like you know distant or closed up um closed up and and then the difficult part came from and I was okay with this I I had to say to myself I'm gonna have this difficult conversation with him and let's see how it goes because I had the beauty of having that guard up is you can you should have the difficult conversations then a lot of the women maybe fall in love with someone and then have the difficult conversation yes And it's too late. Too late because you're like hearts all in and you're like, it feels like someone's dying when you break up. Whereas I suggest all females within the first three months, like, yeah, I suggest keep the guard up. I don't fall in love with them in a day. Like that's ridiculous. Very naive. You know, we're not 12 anymore. But I think we should definitely understand the dynamics of what's going on. So I spent a good three months understanding him, like trying to figure out his highest values and seeing, is this naturally going to align with me? One thing you don't want to do is change someone, like ever. It does not work. I've tried. (laughs) I mean, we've probably all tried. Like changing a man or a female is impossible, you know? So I I thought the first three months I knew I'm going to be super nice, but I'm also going to allow myself to watch and learn 
and and create no judgment you know just see and if there's anything i don't like i'm just going to not going to lash out and say hey that is really bad this is you're not allowed to do this that's just petty right so it's i have no right to say anything at this point so i kept my uh, observations open for three months and understood what kind of guy he is and he kept ticking all the right boxes but then there was a few boxes i was a bit unsure of i'm like not comfortable with this area not comfortable with that area and i need to discuss it because i thought we the thing that happened with me and george he he um, moved in sooner than i expected so that is i don't feel any relationship really has any legs until you live together because that's my personal experience anyway. mm-hmm. when yeah. i met them like when i met george and we were just meeting up in the day or if he'd come over or whatever it was it still felt like a date, you know, it still felt like it was in the dating phase. But when you live together, you're sharing that space. That's when it's like phase two. It's not saying you're like madly in love yet, but it's phase two of understanding whether you're going to work. So I almost think it's like you have to trial that living together phase because you're going to step in each other's toes and see if you can handle the energies of happy mode. Like I, everyone gets happy, sad at different times in their day, maybe uh, or week. And you want to see the 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 good, the bad, and the ugly with that individual. And only until that point did I then think, okay, this is phase two in my head, and now we'll see like how it goes. So it was really good. Uh, lots of things were good, and then I did see that if you allow someone to take advantage of a certain area in your life, they will take advantage. It's like you allow the behavior you impose on yourself. So I never say that this person was really bad to me. Uh, it's I allowed it, you know, so you yeah. you've got to set your own boundaries. And there was a boundary that I hadn't set clear. And it was, he was living in my house. He was cl- happy because he, I mean, I, I didn't want to live in his house, put it that way, because I preferred mine. Mine was way nicer. And, but I made one, <laughs> I made one prerequisite. I said, if you're going to stay in my house, you don't live rent free. You know, mm-hmm. I made pay mm-hmm. rent. And if yeah. that was the first test, you know, because no one lives, as soon as you give, Oh yeah, live in the house for free. He's living in this eighteen-acre like plot with a beautiful area. He could take the piss very easily, yeah. and that's yeah. me allowing him to take the piss. So yeah. I have to be very clear. Like, if you're going to stay here, that's cool. But just so you know, no one lives here rent-free. The reason is because I feel like you are taking the piss, and I've had that in the previous relationship. The reason why I'm not with him is literally he couldn't afford to pay, mm-hmm. and so I made it really clear. It's almost like black and white like if this is not going to happen you're not going to stay with me but I became so clear of the deal breakers for me and if he he was not going to pay for his way and if he was expecting me to fork out we had problems you know because Mm -hmm. I don't mind treating him a little bit more if needed I'll be honest very rarely have I needed to but I was open to that I was open to you know if I am more successful uh, I'm happy to make the extra gestures take the lion's share yeah you know but it never came to that because he he managed to be okay with this uh, and he he understood and he respected that guideline um, and I've never felt that I earned more than him. That was magic for me. You know, the moment I feel like you can't afford the lifestyle because he's one person. Then The other thing about if you're a successful female, you want to be with someone who is not intimidated. George has got the strongest self esteem I've ever seen in my life he never feels belittled by me or anyone else um he never got I watched him how he was around me like he never gave a shit about he never had this ego about him to say I'm better than you never did that but he never got intimidated 
any way, shape or form. And if anything, he encouraged me to play a bigger game. And I was so amazed with that. I thought, where on earth does someone have this kind of sense of security? He's so young and so secure, like, wow, better than me. Um, so I was really impressed with that. But I had a few uncomfortable decision uh, conversations. One was around money. One was actually about his industry. Because this is really interesting. And this was another deal breaker. So when I met George, George was very wealthy. He also was a very attractive guy in the fitness industry. Um, half the reason I was attracted to him was because of that, right? So I was like, yeah, but I've met people and I've dated people in this industry and they're boring after like three months because they're just a piece of meat effectively, you know? So it was not very attractive in that sense. I did say to him, I do, I hope you realize if you're going to be in this, what is the plan? Like I even asked him, what is your bigger plan? What's the bigger picture? Are you planning to just be in this industry? Um, and I had to, and I think this was another, I, I guess someone could say this is selfish, but I had to be selfish for me because I knew I was 33. I've done life to a certain level. I know exactly what I like and what I don't like. And if he's not strong enough to say it, what he likes or if, if he had the balls and said no this is only going to be my way and I'm we probably wouldn't have been together and I respect that but I was so clear on what I don't want and I said I don't want to be with a fitness model mm -hmm. and that was quite a statement I said you are mm -hmm. attractive but if I am going to be uh 60 plus and you're still a fitness model. I'll be honest. I said, I don't know if you're mentally stimulating enough as a fitness model. Your conversation, the reason that keep me interested is um, everything around that, your conversations around that, you're, the way you think about other areas in your life. I said, I see this as, yeah, you are the brand. But I also saw one really unattractive side to him, which was he was so obsessed with how he looked purely for the branding aspect. Like you couldn't just let your hair down. You know, if letting his hair down would mean having salt on a dish. Like that would, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, would not like to see me letting my hair down then. <laughs> when you go to a restaurant, like, this was how it was. So I'm in this highest, high end like lifestyle and he enjoyed it too. You know, like you go into the, the Michelin star restaurants and the five star hotels and whatever. And that's my life, you know, and I enjoy it and I work out and whatever I keep fit. But, and this was a deal because he was obsessed with everything. He had to have no salt. He was looking at 0.5 grams of salt a day. And it was actually making me feel insecure. So I'll be honest, it was making me feel like I was this fat shit because there's me just eating whatever I fucking feel like. And there's him like measuring food things. And I was like, does that just make me feel shit? Like either be with a fitness person, which I fully respect. Maybe you need to be with a fitness person because I'm not going to do that shit because that consumes so much energy and time. And even he said it was a full-time job looking that lean yeah. and not, and being, he was, he never took any steroids or anything. So, I mean, I'm against that, but he was against that, but he did it the natural way, which was obsessive working out um, hours of like thinking about food and all of this nonsense. So, it was boring. And I did say to him, like, how long is this really going to carry on? Like, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, what's the aim? Like, you're going to, one day you're going to be older. Are you still going to do this? Or maybe you do, which is fine. Let's just talk about it. And I, I had to have that uncomfortable conversation. And that was really hard for me to do because I knew that this is possibly going to go two ways. Like the money thing is easy. You know, he was still making money as a fitness model and he could, um, and he had his own other investments and stuff. But this was a whole game changer. And like when we went on holiday, it was all about let's take a picture for the Instagram. And I was like, oh my God, we can't even just relax. And everything has to be about 
take a picture, take a picture. And I hated that. You see, I would just, like you were like flip reverse of the man and the woman typically, because it's usually the woman who's like yes. the Instagram obsessor. So that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, for me, I just, you know what, if I was in the industry and like, I'm not, I'm not disrespecting anyone who's in that industry and, 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 and there are female and I've seen them work successfully. Both of you have to be that industry, yeah. you know, and, and I absolutely put it out there for him. I said, look, I respect you. I'm not telling you you're bad. I'm just saying that's not me. And I personally don't like it. So either you find someone who is in that industry and you just do it forever. Um, and I'm happy for you. But I'd rather be with someone where I can just go to restaurants and we can just not worry about what we eat and we can actually enjoy a taster menu and we can enjoy the lifestyle. You'll make more money doing other things because I can show you these things. And to be honest, I was surprised how he took it because instantly he's like, yeah, fuck this. I'm not even interested. I did this just as a phase because he was in this phase as a young person and he took off and he got the popular, you know, he got the popularity. And I think it was something he did because he was single, if that makes sense. Just something to fill the time. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, it's so interesting talking to you here that like, I know that some of our listeners will be triggered by how confident you are and how much you just own who you are and yeah. what you desire. Yeah. And this is the thing that I try and teach them, like, is actually you we think that you know we've been conditioned to believe that as women we need to kind of hold ourselves that you know keep ourselves small not intimidate men do all of this crap and actually it's like no when you are unapologetically yourself you know who you are you know what you desire and you and very importantly which you've talked about a lot is you know what your boundaries are and you can't just know it you have got to communicate it as well so we're having a conversation about you know how to raise your net worth in romance have you got any other tips speaking to a woman who is listening to this whether she identifies as being a successful high achiever or not maybe she's just like it doesn't really matter what job you do you still have got to value yourself especially in relationships have you got any tips like of things that 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 woman can do to to kind of raise her net worth in romance yeah I mean I actually wrote down in a diary or in a journal exactly the kind of guy I wanted in my life and it was all of the things George was except for like the obsession with the fitness and but I did put in there that he was extremely good looking and like physically attractive and all that so you got it you just got it more than you needed (laughs) so I 100% put in everything but the the writing down of what you want in a relationship is only phase one the second part is phase two is who do you have to become to get that person that is literally what I have in my program because I because I'm like they write their list of like this amazing thing and then I look at it and go right now you go and become that and they're like what (laughs) like yeah or they have to become a person to attract that level. So what I had to do, and I remember doing this quite um, quite a lot before I met George, was I raised my standards in myself because I knew I wanted this really high, how on earth can you find this secure guy who's got loads of money that is going to be financially secure, not intimidated, blah, 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 all of these things I wrote down. It seemed like a never going to exist kind of list. But how on earth is a weak, insecure female going to achieve that. So that was never going to happen. So that was, when I wrote that, I was obviously not as secure as I am now. But I had to really raise my game and think, well, the kind of woman that would be able to attract that has to be able to say no to the lower kind of choices, the lower decisions, the lower level uh, activities, people, you know. So I had to completely move. Before I went to Worcestershire, I lived in the West Midlands, and that was half the issue. So it was a simple case of move location, get to a place where the caliber of people 
are brand spanking new and higher. So I moved into a more affluent area. Uh, and in the local gym, the quality of people were just high end. Um, for example, that's where I met the founders of Gymshark because I lived in the same place as them. And, and they used to come to my house and, you know, like they were like people that were in my circle. So my standards really rose very quick because everybody I spoke to was of a high caliber. And that environmental change, the whole immersive change was huge. So my advice is probably what you tell your amazing people, plus a lot more, is, um, uh, you know, it's simple. Just write down what you want, who you need to become, and then just go and do it. Like immersive exchanges yes. of success. Because yes. my relationships didn't take a massive change until I moved area. Because the area I was living in before had a certain caliber of thinking. So a lower end. So I came from a working class background and I moved to a suburb of that area or like the village side. And it still couldn't get me away from that kind of caliber of male. And so until I moved completely out and raised my energy, then I just vibrated at a better, higher frequency. You know, I didn't, everything around me was much higher caliber. I saw myself and I saw myself as yeah, I'm worth more now. You know, I, I deserve more. I lived in a beautiful place. I, I, I went everywhere I went to. I specifically made choices of high caliber. Like I'm not going to go to some trashy place because anyone there is going to vibrate at that level. You know, I'm not judgmental, but when it means you, know, you might be one day attracting a life partner, spend time conversing in areas that are pretty cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just funny. Uh, you just learn to say no easier when you've raised your game. And that's what yeah. happened. You know, so. I think what's interesting is you t- when you talk about like becoming the person who would have that relationship. So that m- my whole philosophy, I-, I wrote a book called The Inner Fix. And the philosophy of that is focus on the insides and the outsides will take care of themselves. So it's very much an inside out approach. It's who do you need to become? And, and you know, it is, and you have touched on certain things. You're saying higher frequency. You know, my approach is also a very spiritual approach, but I put it in layman's terms. Yeah. But there's also like, so you've got to be working on that, but there's also going to be, like you were saying, the external choices that you're making, which are going to be Im- impacted by the internal work you're doing. So making an external choice, which is like, I'm going to move to a different area. You know, that I mean, even for Joe and I, to, to we left London and we've bought a house in the countryside because for us, I was like, I want to be in nature. That feels right for me. And, you know, I want to get the, I just, that feels good for me and, and for us as a couple. So what would you say to a woman who's listening who, she might not be in a position, especially with everything going on with COVID, she might not be in a position to like move, but what can she do that is, you know, smaller steps, but it's in the right direction? So if if you're thinking I can't afford to, and this is a good question, because I get a lot of my, um, my mentees ask me about this on the wealth side, right? They're like, I can't afford to move, but, and I've mentioned to so many moves, so you raise your, your game. And I make them rent. I'm like, rent your home out and rent somewhere else new. I mean, that you can afford. And so if you own, if you're renting anywhere, you can move. That's usually the case. Um, I find renting is going to be a quick way for people to get that shift. If you own a house, we can't afford the next house, which is typically the case. Then I would say rent out your own house, rent the new one and use some of the income from there. I had lots of rental properties. So anywhere I moved, I could afford because they paid for my new purchases of asset, you know, liabilities or assets, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that would be one way. But if they couldn't do that, if they couldn't move at all, then it would be a simple case of um, let's dissect every interaction you're having from social media to 
to, you know, who are you WhatsApping? Who are you speaking to? Who are your friend circles? Who are you saying yes to? And who are you giving your time to? Even the stuff they listen to like this, you know, they should be listening to this more. Maybe they weren't listening to you before. And this is the stuff they should be obsessed with and stay away from reality TV or anything else trashy that maybe they were. Figure out what is not serving you. Move to the things that are serving you. I would, if you can't move from your home, revamp the home. Like DIY is the thing right now, isn't it? So, you know, just change the colors of your house. You feel like you're in somewhere new. Reinvent yourself. Uh, change yeah. your room around. And it's actually quite fun reinventing yourself. I think it's key to life. Um, or phase one. I mean, one thing that was a game changer, and I haven't mentioned this as well, is I got Coco, my little pet puppy. Like, um, he's the cutest thing in the world. And he fell, it filled a lot of voids. So everyone's got their mm-hmm. own story. I was a very anxious person. I was constantly feeling because I wasn't really close with my family as much as I am now anyway um it's healed a lot of my relationships I had with family but at that point in my life half the reason of my poor relationship choices was because I was I had such a bad family life that I was just clinging on to any kind of validation from anything else you know like mm-hmm. partner it's the easiest thing to do date someone and make a casual relationship a serious relationship it's very easy to do and it's very hard to get out of those because you get entangled. But one thing that changed everything is when I had a pet. It gives you that unconditional love that mm-hmm. you feel, okay, you know, you, if you haven't got kids, that is. And if you've got a child, that's a whole different dynamic. But if I, I didn't have any children and I specifically didn't want to because um, at this time anyway, um, I had, I would never pick any partner in the past to be a dad, put it that way, you know, because mm-hmm. it would terrible so I had a pet and that was it I thought it would be a nothing move but it became like one of the most endearing things ever because it filled it made me realize there's nothing missing you know we're yeah you know that is it nothing is missing and what I love I mean there's so much you keep sharing that I'm like ah, I've got I've got to ask her about that what I love that you talked about is Okay, the first thing we have to remember for anyone who might be feeling triggered because you've got this beautiful woman uh, who is super successful and now in this amazing relationship, there was a time where I would have I would have hated you from afar because I'd be like, I just want to be her. But the thing is, what's amazing is actually you have not you have created this yourself, Hither. You have come from a working class background. Everything you have, you've created it yourself, including your relationship. And it's all speaking to the mindset piece yeah. and valuing yourself and making those little changes. It's about being resourceful. And that's what I love that you've shared. It's like, okay, if you can't afford to do that, then what can you do? Look at what you've got and work with it. And this is what I say to women all the time. I do not come from from money. Like I I have, my dad started to do well later on. My parents were both drug addicts. I had a really turbulent childhood, you know, uh, and I was a complete, honestly, up until my mid-20s, I was a disaster. I was always like an overachiever, at school and at drama school but I came out um, of drama school as an actress and I was just not getting the roles and I and so I just was like I was to be honest I was a sex and love addict and I got into recovery eventually but I was all over the place and then I realized like I had to move back in with my family for what I thought would be five months and it turned out to be five years you know people see me today and they're like oh you've got this it's all right for you to say Persia I'm sure you get this a lot you've got the relationship you've got the career you've got this I'm like yeah but I didn't I went I I, at the time I didn't have any money so I I was like right I'm going to live with my parents while I build this business and while I do the work on myself so I can attract the kind of person that I know I desire and that I deserve you have to be resourceful you have to be resourceful 100% and Oh, I, I love your story. You're so, so inspiring. And of, of course, I think anyone who's 
had to figure things out in life. It comes from a place of not having at some point, you know, I wouldn't have figured out relationships or, I mean, even now, I mean, you say it's perfect, but I've, I, I constantly, I'm very grateful for John. So every single day I remember why he is such a great, like such a positive thing in my life. You know, I couldn't even be, I mean, half the success and I tell him, you know, like half of after a while, that moral support you get from a partner is actually what drives that success. So, you know, even and a tip I also have for people um, when it comes to money and relationships, and I think uh, females will need this because they get into this whole joint account thing. I, mm-hmm. To this date, we don't have joint accounts. And that protects our relationship because mm-hmm. I can't, I know what I'm like when it comes to business money. If he spent money, it was joint. Let's imagine we had a joint account and he was spending money frivolously on a bad investment. You know, like he, he's much mm-hmm. more taking than me. So if he paid for, cause he's in the e-commerce industry and he's a marketer and he's like quite good, you know, pretty good. And his risks pay off sometimes. And I'm quite like mm-hmm. jealous sometimes in a good way, healthy. Uh, I'm like, wow, I can't believe like you pulled that one off. That's amazing. I wouldn't do it. Sometimes mm-hmm. they don't always pull it you know, they don't work. Sometimes he puts in a lot of money and it doesn't work. And if that was joint money, my God, we'd have arguments. So my point being to protect my relationship and he knows, and he respects it too. We both know have separate accounts and, you know, don't argue. We even have separate bathrooms as well. Every house we've lived in, because uh, I got this from Winston Churchill. He said that (laughs) he actually stated it in some sort of quote. He said uh, his marriage, his sanctity in the marriage came from having separate two separate places of ablutions which was bathrooms and um i was like oh, that's a good point because how many arguments happen over the simplest things like you've left that out there and this should have been in the cupboard mm. stupid things so we get rid of the stupid conversations if needed you know ever, anywhere needed separate dressing rooms separate bathrooms in every house like we don't cross paths ever so um, yeah <laughs> minimize <laughs> yeah I mean I think it really helped um before that it was yeah I mean I just otherwise you're gonna get annoyed and say everyone has to be a certain way of neatness um mm-hmm. yeah in the shared spaces we are super neat but we don't even argue about stuff like that you see that's like but I remember the decision making that went behind that and therefore we've never argued about money we've never argued about um yeah home stuff if there is ever an issue I mean I guess there's always going to be new issues and sometimes especially in lockdown because you spend so much time together you're bound to just annoy each other i get more annoyed than he does he's the nicest guy in the world but every three months there's like a limit to i'm like oh my god i need some space so yeah. i'm not saying that we live happily ever after like yeah we have arguments but the good thing is the arguments are never to a point where it's game over you know someone's always i'm probably the more reactive person forever in this relationship because i'm more I don't know, more wired or whatever. Um, he's far more placid. And I think that's probably a really good thing too. I pick someone who was actively a lot less, um, if he was exactly like me, I think we'd have problems. You know? Yes. I always say, you know, they say in Asia, same, same, but different. You need to have enough of the same that you obviously bond and there's compatibility, but enough differences to keep it interesting and spicy. And, you know, I think it's so important. And this is another thing for any woman listening. It's like, keep your own life. Like I I used to, and I've certainly had clients who's done this as well. It's like, I'd meet a guy, get super into them. And then the rest of my life, like it just sort of, I would just see them and do whatever they did and it's so unattractive it's like no you have your own life you do your own shit they go on holiday with their guys sometimes you have your thing and it's got to be like that from day one like this quote I love so much and I think it's so relevant to relationships and it's from a woman called Danielle Laporte and she says the the 
The journey has to feel the way you want the destination to feel. So that if you think about that in a romantic context, from the point of meeting someone, how do you envisage that future relationship? You have to show up as we've already sort of spoken about this a bit, but you have to show up as the person that you imagine yourself to be further down the line, not doing that thing where you're like, oh, I won't say anything or I won't state my bound. I won't, I won't. I'm just going to like kind of go along with with whatever he says. That that is no wonder a man is not going to value you because you're not valuing yourself. You're not valuing your time. You're not respecting yourself. Yes, 100%. And that involves so many uncomfortable conversations. And that's why men, women probably don't like doing it. And don't get me wrong, I'm nowhere near perfect. I mean, I'm sure that's quite clear. But the point is that, you know, me and George have even got to, he understands my philosophy about relationships. We're constantly growing. And every now and then I have to make sure I say to him, look, I use self-development is my highest value, like learning, reading, as you can see, um, you know, constantly learning about life and having a spiritual outlook. I'm very spiritually aligned, in my opinion. I feel like that's my highest source of energy. Um, but, for example, if George wasn't trying to improve himself every week, month, whatever, we would have problems. And there's been a few areas in my life where I felt like I was constantly growing and I nip it up in the bud very quick. So maybe a month within that moment. If I've noticed it consistently for a few weeks, I will say something then rather than let it dwell to five, six months. I don't stop, uh, you know, I don't wait for it to get big. But I would say to him very quickly, look, how much you, I haven't seen you pick up a book ever, like in this last month when, you know, because I get worried if someone's going to get lazy because he's not, I guess I'm more wired. I don't think it's always a good thing to be as wired as me, but definitely I'm not going to disown it. It gives me what lets me drive forward at the moment and I know that I'm constantly striving I don't want him to be like me because he doesn't have to be but I want him to constantly improve in your because I understand human behavior is all about growth if you're not growing you're dying if you're not learning your mind is the mental state of not growing equals depression like that's the natural state of I learned that from therapists from counselors from human behavior coaches you know they they've all and I've studied neuroscience to a level where I've really understood that if we are not growing we are actually just a we're just a depressive state brain and that if you understand how depression works it's just this flat state you know it's like flat obsession with the past blah 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 so it's so important to keep moving forward so and that's why I, we, I, I agree yeah sorry when, go on love. when people retire you know and they I, I get scared of even thinking of what people do when they stop like that's when they get most depressed health issues kicking yeah. in you know it's a scary so if you study all ages the ones who stop growing in any form are the least happy individuals so if happiness had to be equated to one thing, I'd say to growth, human growth, internal growth. And I'm very key on that. So if there's one thing that I would pick on with George every now and then, it would be like, why haven't you learned something new? Or why are you not keep learning about life? Like, why are you not learning about yourself? You know, like he, if his understanding about life is the same in the new year versus the end of the year, then he's wasted a year. That's my opinion. And that would frustrate me. How so, does he react when you challenge him like that? Um, sometimes he's stubborn. So sometimes he's like, I'm busy or blah, blah, blah. But you know what? The good thing with him is he, I knew from the very beginning that he was into development and Mm -hmm. even in his worst state, even if he's really angry, I'm very blessed because he doesn't get angry. He's never raised his voice or anything, you know, like he's just the kindest man. Honestly, I think he's like some angel. He's too nice to me sometimes. I think, why am I so, I must have had to go through hell. Maybe this is why I've gone through so much hell. I've been blessed with him. Um, but you know, I mean, we're, we're quite open and, and often, and he knows that 
I'm okay with one day if we're not aligned for any reason. He doesn't see it. But I said, look, if we for any reason never see eye to eye, then I respect we go on different paths. Like I don't expect this guy to be with me if he suddenly resents me. Like he might not like me one day, you know, and might be like, oh, she's gone off a tangent. And I'm okay with that because I'm going to constantly grow. And I just hope that he grows with me. That's all I can. I don't own him, you know, and I, I always remember that you don't own another individual. We just cohabitate like we we are aligned right now and i hope we constantly are aligned but it's uh, he's very spiritual i think that's what keeps us both uh, going because he's definitely a very um connected spiritual person if it didn't have that spiritual depth we would not be together right now because you know the kind of crazy stuff i come up with every now and then all that the constant like yeah let's do this like he's as crazy as me in the sense that he thinks you've got to be able to keep it you need a man who can keep up with you you know what? The other way around, he, I have to keep up with him. Me, uh, I'm quite happy to just sit and read and do nothing else. No business because I've got enough money and wealth and I can just stop, you know. So I, I could just live off what I've got. But he wants me to be this bigger and better person and he constantly pushes me to do more clubhouse and more this. And I'm like, do I really have to? And he's like, yeah, I'm like the marketer. I understand this. This is good for you. And Sometimes if I'm having a bad day, I, I ask George, how do I cope with this? He, and he has all the answers of how to make me feel better. So effectively, he's my rock. I actually, I, he drags me along very often, you know. So I'm so, I might be the louder between the two of us. So it makes me feel like people might see from the outside, oh, she's the one driving the relationship. But very often, it's the opposite. He's driving me forward because I'm the person that will just be like, oh, I can't deal with this nonsense because I get so much hate and so much like, my industry is like shark infested, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. tough. And for example, just today, the Metro newspaper reached out to uh, one of my, my PA actually, and they accused us of something completely false and bribed us and said, we're, well, if you don't, if you don't admit to it, we'll, it's a complete false. So we've taken them to court and we're going to put it out on social media straight away. And we're going to say, this is a guy who's been completely illegal and he's falsely accusing us of being involved with so-and-so we've never even heard like we've never dealt with them and um yeah so we get deal dealt with that a lot and in my world if it was just me and no George involved I very quickly would have shut the doors and be like done with this nonsense these people are toxic but he gives me that push and says look don't worry I'm supporting you this is what we are we should not let them get away with this you know and he's that voice I need so I'm so grateful for him you definitely sound like a real team, and and it, you know, I I relate to that um, in my relationship with Joe, which sounds is very different, but very same same but different. Yeah, and I think that that the most women who are listening to this, that's what they want. They want to be in a partnership, and it's interesting using that word because obviously think about that in business terms. In fact, we're about to go into. Um, I mean, I could talk to you for hours. We're going to go to our quick round. Um, quick, what do I call it? The lightning round, like with that episode of Friends. But before we do, I just want to see like have there been any lessons that you've learned in business that you like there's like lessons in business and relationships that are kind of the same does that make sense Mm, that's a very interesting one I gosh I don't know um in business I feel like I guess okay one thing I could put together is you can't let your guard down too easily before you trust someone that's the same in business and in relationships so that's my only thing I can relate otherwise they're two different worlds, so different. See, I think it's interesting. So I would say, know what your bottom line is in both cases. (laughs) Know your boundaries, know what your bottom line is. Interesting you say, yeah, not letting your guard down. So I think that it's the sweet spot from being open, but also being boundaried. 
And that's, see, they sound like they're counterintuitive, but actually in both cases, it's like, here I am, I know who I am, I'm showing up fully as myself, but I'm not going to give you everything up front, because I used to be a total oversharer, and I would just blurt blur out my entire life story straight away, and I realized I needed to be more discerning, which is another thing I see in business, discernment, taking your time, not rushing into a decision, which, you know, beginning of business, oh, yeah. that like when I started, I did that all the time, I was just like, yeah, you know, all over the place, yes. which is how I was in my love life as well yeah oh 100 which is i guess my way of saying don't put your guard down straight away because yeah rush decisions like hiring someone and thinking they're your best friend and you know you share everything with them and then they suddenly they quit and then they try and sue you because they want paid more and you know it's just like you forget that the people you employ are not your family <laughs> or they're mm. not your friends and they can never be and i think when i started at the very beginning i gave them that friend zone area or thought they were my people you could forever just be open with so I think that's what I meant by um not putting your guard down uh but yeah. keeping that professional boundary in place forever yes. like, that's one thing I've learned uh in a relationship I I honestly thrive off being as more one thing I love I love about relationships is I learn so much more about myself there that's where my mm-hmm. comes from in business you aren't able to express your true self as much because there's legal scenarios you've got to keep your gut up you can't say you've got to be politically correct and everything has to be done with a certain way of um caution whereas in a relationship you have to let go like that's the best Mm. part of it that's the most powerful relationship where you can just let go be really honest have really open discussions and yeah you're facing really yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's a perfect place to finish with the lightning round. So I'm just going to ask you a question and just the first answer that comes off your head, we're just going to go boosh, 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 boosh. Okay? Yeah. Ready? Yes. Okay. Biggest love lesson? I don't even know. My God. Um, pick well. That's the worst answer. <laughs> perfect. Pick well. Love yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Biggest dating disaster? Oh, catfished, uh, fully. The first catfish in my life. Online dating, that went wrong. And he was not the person in the picture. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> no, second, so, oh, God, catfishing. Horrific. That's a, that's a whole other podcast episode. Okay, quick game of would you rather. Would you rather a bad boy or a good guy? Oh, good guy. Now, back before then, probably not. <laughs> Would have been one. <laughs> On a first date, run into your ex or theirs? Um, Theirs. On a date, drop a condom or a tampon? Condom. Definitely not a tampon. Well, it depends. Definitely, obviously, like, uh, that's a new tampon, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's got a used one just on the table. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing in the world. Yeah, sorry. Um, oh, in which case, oh, God. Yeah, condom, I guess. I don't know. Don't care. Really. <laughs> okay, I'll see how you do with this one. Premature ejaculation. I, I'm sorry, I'm quite grotesque. Premature ejaculation or can't get it up? <laughs> oh my God, yeah, premature. Definitely, instead of. you, you Which then one? At least you know. This is what every, all women say the same. You're like, at least you know it works. <laughs> yeah, oh, Jesus. The other one would be horrendous. What would be, that would be a good way for be like, yeah, never see you again. I should yeah, bye. <laughs> I, that's what I mean. I know. It's a big factor, yeah. It's a big fact. Okay, this one might be a little bit too much for you, but we'll see. <laughs> Fart on a first date or queef the first time you have sex? Queef, I think. Because I can still pull that one off and make it look good. Yeah, you just you just sort of pretend it was, I don't know, 
something like, else because I'm something else. <laughs> we just we just like yeah, yeah, move swiftly onto the next move. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. So um, I just want to very briefly hear breaking worst breakup you ever had. Okay, so oh, this is a quick fire or okay. The worst breakup was um, well, it was I've only had one abusive relationship, so the guy was physically violent, and that was the worst one, and only because of the mental trauma. It took me so long to get out of that, so it should have broken up two years before that. Um, so in that, oh, actually, you know, I've had one was more com- comical, but really uh, crazy. So I've had two really bad breakups. One of them was the one stepping away and the emotional entanglement was tough because it was such a violent relationship. Um, I was 25 when I broke up, 25, 26. Uh, it took me seven years again to get into a serious relationship because I, I, I literally had that PTSD from that and never believed relationships could work. It really, you know, it really made me rethink what I was doing. And um, yeah, so that one was tough. But in that period, the other second one, and I have to add this one, is an American gold digger psychopath that ended up coming into my life. So he he was someone I went to school with, long story short, lived in California all his life. I did not know he was a drug user. So he came to the UK uh, and literally demanded that he should be a kept man because he is going to give me moral support. And when I found out he was a drug user and was constantly like bipolar, like literally insane and depressive and suicidal, uh, I asked him, what did he, oh yeah, he, he said, he, I asked him, look, this is not going to work, so we have to break up. And he blackmailed me with money. He said, if you break up with me, I'm going to kill myself or just give me £75,000 and I leave. And then I had to call the police and he got arrested for blackmail uh, with extortion or something, blackmail with malintent uh and he got deported back to the u.s <laughs> wow <laughs> bloody hell God. Yeah. so that was backlash from that is the guy who writes half the articles about me that are really like overly like if, if anyone reads any google articles of me there's some really over-the-top personal like overly grotesque sounding articles and that's written by him because he said, I'm going to, and he used to email me with false emails and saying, look, I'm writing this. He bought my domain, heartheman.com. He said, I'm going to put all these naked pictures on there. It's pure, oh my God. Like pure bribery because he wanted to do anything to make, he said, I'm going to dedicate my life to turning yours upside down. Oh um, my God, get a job. Do you know what I mean? Just get a job, mate. That's the problem. He can't because he's a mental health case, like a full on oh. straight jacket, you know, like I didn't realize. Really yeah. not well. Yeah, he's really not well. Mental health is a big issue. And especially when they've got a vendetta, it's a whole nother level. So, yeah, scary, that one. Probably the category of worst. (laughs) So, So, yeah, that's pretty bad as it goes. Okay, so what about this? Word on the cheat. What are your thoughts on cheating? Oh, it happens because uh, your values are not aligned. So I actually don't have a major issue with that. If someone cheats on you, it's because some values are miscommunicated and people are not loyal to you. They're loyal to the highest values. So if you're in the wrong relationship, it's not going to work anyway. Oh, that's a bloody good thing. People, Listen to that, guys. People are loyal to their highest values. And so my highest value used to be like just getting attention from men. It didn't matter if they were my boyfriend or not. Like I just needed that attention. That was my highest value until I learned to, you know, love myself and respect myself. And my highest value is like actually 
you know, being uh, being of my word, having integrity, being authentic, being all of those things. But they didn't used to be when I was, you know, a real mess. Yeah, I think everyone may have gone through that. I mean, anyone who's gone through a childhood that had disruption like yours and mine, for sure, like there's been a messed up, uh, we're going to be messed up in relationships until we figure ourselves out. And yeah, I mean, I honestly don't feel angry when people or if people cheat and um, or when because my parents, my mom cheated on my dad. So I fully understood that. And in my relationship, I didn't trust him. He didn't trust me. That was that the abusive one. And that was why, because it's abusive. It was, I wanted the validation from other people. So I understand why people deviate. Um, yeah. I don't have any judgment against it. It's just they've got internal issues that need fixing. And then if you're completely aligned, you don't need to go elsewhere. You know, if you're constantly working on your relationship. So I, yeah, most people will be like, never speak to them again, hate them, kill them, whatever. I'm not into that. Like, I literally think there's something much deeper going on. Yeah, I totally agree. That would be a whole other podcast episode as well. Okay, boil that bunny. Have you <laughs> have you ever done anything crazy um, where if you've been dumped or been treated badly by a man? I had an old client of mine who uh, called her ex 187 times in one sitting. I've had clients who've keyed their cars. I've turned up to my ex-boyfriends when, when I was actually a teenager, but I was like outside his parents' house so drunk at three in the morning, screaming up at his window like, come down. He was like, go home, Persia. It was mortifying. Have you ever done anything like that? Um, I think, okay, so most of the time they were done to me because I was the one who used to break up and they would go crazy. But there was a couple of times maybe in that abusive one where it was constantly on and off. Like we would never be together for very long and then we'd break up and it would go hell, we'd come, we'd break out and then we'd get back together. And typically there's the acting, uh, the behavior would be like, yeah, knocking on someone's door, the mother telling you to leave, you know, like she doesn't want to talk to you, just go. That was probably the most annoying thing that I, I yeah it was quite pathetic but um I've not done any I mean I guess they have been the ones who've done more crazy things uh I've actually been very okay I actually, I've never been dumped which sounds a bit wow yeah. no but, no no that's I, your experience. They, why do you think that is because I was a control freak I always ended things myself you know um oh actually no there was one scenario Two scenarios, actually. No, go back to it. Two scenarios. One of the, the two of the guys I w- lived with, the the ones before George, and they were younger than me. One of them left, and um, I was devastated. Literally, was like devastated. But he came back the next day begging for forgiveness. And the problem is because it broke my trust, I could never take him back. So even though I was devastated, I remember saying to him, "Look, I still love you, but I just can't trust you being with me anymore." It just broke, you know, like I gave him everything and I was devastated. I can remember how terrifying that was. So that was one where I guess I got done for a day and then came back. But that was bad because I would never do that. I mean, he was young, maybe that was, and I I believe that was the age. The second one was the same thing. So again, age. um, And he was like, I can't do this anymore. And I, yeah, he left uh, because he couldn't afford to be with me. And as much as I knew it was a failing relationship, I tried to make it work my hardest, but he left me. I didn't leave him. So that was quite, that was tough. It took me four days to get over, but I was like, yeah. It took me a whole four days. (laughs) Four days. It took me four days. That was quite a lot for me because I was like Mm. the heartbreak queen. I could get over the shit quite quick. Get over it so fast. Yeah. That one was was big for me because I introduced him to family. Like it became very real. We lived together. I could visualize a future and it was sad. And, you know, I, I guess that one is the only one where he never came back, but I accepted it. 
after four days. <laughs> after four days, I was like, oh, thank God. Then I just moved on. But it was it was bad. For the four days, it was bad. It was a really, it was a really hard four days. I ate a lot of Ben and Jerry's ice cream that time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We've got so we've got our little agony aunt uh, final question, and this is from um, one of the women who've written in who ask uh, questions for the podcast. So this is from Sasha, and she's written: I feel like I make so much effort in my love life, but for some reason, no men ever seem to want to stick around. Help! Oh God! Well, it's because you're not understanding what values are. Like, I think when people trying too hard, it it, it sounds really sad. I mean, I feel bad that she's trying so hard. No one should have to do that or feel that way I I honestly think you need to understand who what makes you like the value system what makes you you understand what makes them them and the philosophy behind a relationship is not just beg them to stay with you like that's the worst philosophy in life or try and do everything to make them stay with you it's just understand that no one is loyal to you they have to be loyal to the highest value so find someone where your values and their values allow you both to become who you want to be so a relationship in the most messed up way is not even about the other person. It's about you, you know? Always about you, yeah. yeah. And only until you know where you're going can you have a decent relationship. It is so messed up. Like most people think about relationships as, and you will have, obviously you understand this very well, but even when I looked at relationships growing up, I used to think it's all about compromising. The whole thing has to, we just have to mix our wells and like forever merge into this one unit. And um, it's the worst approach. Like until you know who you are, what you stand for, what your life is about, like you were saying, have your own life before you kind of, mm-hmm. that is a hundred percent needed. So until that happens, you will never have the fulfilling relationship and they have to know what they're going from. Like, for example, when I had those two guys that left me, one of them for a day, one of them, you know, forever. And I was fine. But uh, after four days, the reason they did that is because I was clear where I wanted to go, but they weren't. So sometimes mm-hmm. you have that problem and that's not your fault either. You know, you can't force someone to have clarity of vision in their life. You may well, and I may well have this issue maybe one day with George. I hope not. But one day George, and I'm open to it, like he could one day turn up and say, I actually just had an epiphany. I don't want this life anymore. And, you know, and that's not in my control. And that's something you've got to realize in a relationship for you to think by some form that, oh, yeah, I'm in a relationship. I must control it and keep it. That's really amateur. That's really naive. Like we can't control anything. We can only control ourselves. So if I'm moving in a certain direction, that's all I can control. I can look after and respect my partner. But if he decides or she decides, whoever your partner is, that this life is no longer for them, you've got to respect that journey. You know, like that's allowed. It's You don't own that person. They don't own you. I think once that philosophy hit home with me, I looked at relationships so differently that we're two individuals merging for a certain time in, in our life, nothing will last forever. We're either separated by death or something will happen, you know? Um, so nothing lasts forever. So you've just got to figure out when, how that journey is going to look like for you. And then mm. I'm sure you won't try as hard as, so that lovely lady, she, she won't be doing, she won't ever have that complaint again, I hope. So. Mm. It really is like you said, you know, it's prioritize your relationship with yourself, focus yeah. on the insides, the outsides will take care of themselves. They always have done for me when I come from that approach. So Hither, it's been amazing talking to you. I could literally talk to you for another five hours. Um, Where where can people find you? I honestly love the interactions I get on Instagram. So at Hitherman, I am uh, verified. So there are a million people faking my profiles. I have no idea why. Um, But actually it's just because the industry, I mean, it's so difficult. But anyway, 
It's got a blue tick, so that's the only me. Look um, for the blue tick. We will yeah. put a link. So it's Hither, H-I-T-H-E-R-M-A-N-N. Thank you, yes. And I am the same tag on every social media, so Clubhouse, uh, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, Facebook. So that's the only thing I ever use. But Instagram, honestly, is the best place. The reason I like it so much, I have stories on there every day. You can follow me day to day. You can see what I'm like. So if someone really wants to get a gauge of someone's character, I think that's the best place. I certainly love other people's Instagrams better than any other social media. So, yeah. I agree. I agree. And I do absolutely encourage you guys to go and follow her on Clubhouse as well because she is brilliant. She's got a lot to say. Um, This is how I connected with her and why we're doing this wonderful interview. So last, last question. And I've asked you this already, but just because I like to finish with a really nice last sort of phrase or quote or piece of advice to the woman who is listening, um, how does she raise her net worth in romance? What is the most crucial thing for raising her net worth when it comes to romance and relationships? Invest in as many things that make you understand your human behavior, that make you understand what makes your mind tick, your world work and shift in certain ways. Invest in you. Like, honestly, spend money on mentors, therapists, counselors, coaches, whatever. I have done them all and I swear by them. I wouldn't be here had I not had all that incredible mentoring, coaching, therapy. You know, I needed it. Like, I think we always need it for life and I will consistently spend money on coaches and new people that will elevate my game and ask and make me understand what makes me do what I do. The more I understand about myself and therefore the advice for these incredible women, the more you understand about you and what makes you tick, uh, and your your whole perception of human beings will change. And then- oh, 100%. Invest in you. That is the perfect way to end this uh, wonderful episode. Here, the thank you so much. You're an absolute angel. I've loved this conversation. And I'm so happy to be in your world. Thank you. You're a star. And everyone listening to you, you are honestly doing them such a massive service. So thank you for just making these kind of podcasts so available. I needed you once upon a time. So just thanks so much. Um, And everyone here will, you know, hopefully avoid some major roadblocks having heard all your advice. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Persia. Thank you, love. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. I really do hope these episodes help you find dates that become mates and flings that become things with men who are ready, willing, and able to actually commit. Please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and leave me a review if you're getting value from these episodes. This helps the podcast rank higher so it can reach other people who want or need the support. To have your question answered, send it over to podcast at persialawson.com and we'll get to it ASAP. And if you want to learn how to court consciously during COVID and call in the healthy, happy relationship you desire and deserve, don't forget to download my free audio training called The Fastest Way to Meet Your Soulmate over at getyoursoulmate.com forward slash free training. The link is also in the show notes for this podcast episode. See you next week, gorgeous. I release a new episode every Tuesday. But until then, remember, love is coming for you. So surrender to the festival that is life on planet Earth and trust that what misses you was not meant for you and what's meant for you will not miss you, including your soulmate.